0: Hello and welcome to the Dead Darlings Book Club. I'm Laurie Eaves.
1: I'm Hannah Hutzpah. And I'm Rebecca Cooney. This month's book is Mannerism by Yomi Sode, chosen by Laurie. Laurie, why did you choose this book?
0: Why did I choose it? I chose it because it's kind of been a hot book of 2022. The year just gone, I think it's fair to say. There's been quite a lot of uh, coverage of it. I've been hearing a lot of um, good things about it and wanted to finally uh read it i bought it a couple of months ago back in foils in Charing cross road when they had a big display with um with the mannerism and uh our previous guest the repeat poets book uh, on the same outward facing display and i was like i'm buying both of those right now so that was very nice
2: there's three pages of glowing review quotes before you even get to the collection. There this are. Is, this is a <laughs> highly rated...
0: I mean, it is Penguin. Penguin want to sell books. And I thought it was quite, a, not weird, but like a broad range of different, uh, yeah. different critical praise for the book. Um, Diane Abbott. So, and,
2: um, yeah.
0: I mean, you're one of those people who has been on the London poetry scene for a long time, really experienced experienced poet, really well-loved poet, who I don't really know very well. I've seen them a couple of times, but you know, we're not kind of close in any way. But I know we've got a lot of mutual friends, so we were really excited to be re- reading this book and we're really excited for it coming out. Um, and so I wanted to see what all the fuss was about.
1: So what did you think of it?
0: I thought it was great. I loved it, which I sort of knew I would going in. There was just something about all like Yomi's reputation and Mm. all the people who've spoken well of the book that I respect and admire the opinions of which doesn't always mean I'm going to love it but when you see that it does give you confidence and just I don't know like Yomi's been going for such a long time in the London poetry world that you know that this is a book that's going to have been crafted with care and taken the time to really be the book that he wants it to be and I think it to me, feels like a piece of work that's been put out with intent. And I think the time and the patience that's been spent on the book really shows. Brilliant, just on a title, Mannerism, with the spell M-A-N-O-R-I-S-M, is this immediate conflation of, like, Mannerism as in Mannerist art, like in the kind of old artistic canon, but mixing that with, you know, the ideas of the manner, mixing that with the idea of you know urban kind of life particularly you know his experience as a as a black uh writer living in london and it does this amazing thing of yeah bringing together those kind of different canons mm. and i love how like ma- so it talks a lot about how mannerist art kind of explores ideas of like light and dark and chiaroscuro but uses those ideas to explore very modern themes of of, of racism, of kind of things like police brutality and and family, and I love how it's mixing all these different ideas together. I really think it's interesting. So it has this thread kind of running through it about uh, Caravaggio, the artist. Mm. That was really interesting. It's a really interesting idea because it and it speaks to a lot to where we are now culturally, where there are these questions about you know, somebody, uh, an artist, for example, or a person whose work is magnificent and an amazing part of the canon, but who's done dreadful things, which Caravaggio did. And it explores the idea of, well, who gets to decide whether they get forgiveness? Who gets to decide whether they're held accountable for who, who their gets actions? To be,
1: who gets to be the flawed genius
0: who yes, also mm. did some
1: stuff, and who gets to be the terrible criminal who also did some nice paintings?
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. and and specifically where where race plays into yeah. that yeah. is you know hugely important in the book and what it's exploring, and that's just on the as a total what is this book doing level. There's there's so many interesting individual pieces in the book.
2: Yeah, I fold down corners of pages where there's a bit I want to talk about, and basically the whole middle of this like there's more folded down corners
1: than not we apologize um, to any of our listeners who may have been disturbed by that I, I have no opinions either way on dog earring books but i know it does upset some people so i do apologize yeah, profusely for that yeah sorry i also i
0: also tend to write in them when i like something that i like i kind of just highlight it but go on Hannah.
2: yeah i think carrying on from what you said laurie the caravaggio theme is really really interesting i especially like the one about i did know it was like weird historical facts that caravaggio had fought and I think killed a waiter, or at least fought and wounded a waiter. Over <laughs> wounded, perceived...
0: a waiter. <laughs> wounded a waiter.
2: Wounded uh, a waiter. Over a, a perceived slight about whether the artichokes were cooked in butter or olive oil. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, a weird historical fact. And I'm not sure how it... I've heard that know... as well. Was yeah. it QI? Maybe I heard I don't that know in how I the book that. again, I can't remember. Um, but, then, but then, yeah, Yomi brings it straight back to... An example he has of being at a restaurant with his girlfriend where mm. the moment they've ordered, the waiter brings out the card payment machine for him before the food's arrived. Yeah. And, and yeah, I hadn't really clocked the historical thing for what it was until the, like, yeah, no, I know what it's like to be treated like shit in a restaurant and how that makes you really viscerally upset. Like, And the, the kind of, mm. yeah, I... I feel like I have a better understanding of Caravaggio because of this book, but that's not the main thing that's interesting about this book. (laughs) I
1: I suddenly remembered that I did a couple of years ago. I was in Malta and went to the... Because it was obviously the... So Caravaggio after the incident with the West, he then murdered somebody else like in a duel and fled Italy and ended up in Malta the, the knights of St John took him in and I've been to the big cathedral there that they have and they have loads of Caravaggios dotted around because they're sort of like yeah. oh yeah he was here so we just had him do some nice paintings yeah. for us aren't we lucky and mm-hmm. I completely forgot about that until it sort of mentioned St uh, John's and I was like oh yeah that's,
2: yeah, that's how we got there
1: he was, they were
2: aiding and yeah. abetting a criminal
1: um, yeah they're just like oh well while well, you're yeah, here do us some nice work
0: But you're right, Hannah, it's really interesting that, like, for example, that that image or that moment that Yomi's exploring and the juxtaposition Mm. between the two, like, Mm. this feeling of Caravaggio can literally kill someone and get away with it, but but me, uh, you know, as a... Can't um, order food without suspicion. Yeah, like, and if he were to kick off about it in the moment, like, you know that he wouldn't be treated like a flawed genius. Like, mm. that's... And that the
1: bar is so much lower that even kind of his girlfriend's go like even just saying, sorry, did you ask the other couple if they were going to pack yeah. me? It's sort of like, don't make a scene, don't do yeah, it. Yeah, the yeah. bar is so low for what's perceived as kicking off. Compared yeah. To, yeah.
0: I think one of the things I really enjoy about this particular collection is that it's got these high level ideas, but mm. also at the same time, a lot of the poems are here's a moment that happened here's a thing that happened to me and it's made me think about this and that's in a lot of ways my my wife's teaching kids about poetry at the minute at school and a way that she's used to describe it to to get them into poetry is to describe this idea that poetry is often a moment that kind of is a window to something else. And I think this collection does that really well. I love, there's a poem in it called A Green Tweed Coat, in particular, where basically the narrator's at work and there's been a green coat just, like, left on the floor and everybody in the, in the office keeps kind of seeing the coat but walking around it or seeing the coat and kind of stepping over it or being like, oh, someone really ought to do something about that coat, but nobody will touch the coat. Nobody will move the coat and it leads... In the poem, onto this, you know, meditation of like how of, of it becomes really political suddenly, and um, uh, the the poem says stuff like you know you should you should see color, you should always see color, you should be seeing the coat on the floor, and you know it it kind of goes into this idea of of uh, him hit, the relationship between the green coat and, and him and it ends up with this beautiful line about, it says, if this were not my job and if they did not know my name or the fact that I like builder's tea on a Monday morning, if they did not know about the length of my service, the skill set that got me this job, my approachability and work ethic, would I be lying next to this green tweed, green tweed coat on the floor fighting to be visible? It's brilliant. It's just mm. so clever and... and... Using this very small moment that's happened to explore much bigger themes
1: I think it moves mm. very well and, and and like really beautifully between the kind of the personal the political the mm. kind of the historical, the academic almost. Mm. There are moments mm. yeah, in this yeah. where it feels like it an academic essay, but it's always a very yeah. sort of chatty, but then also very beautiful language as well. And it's, mm. it's a lot of stuff and it's walking a really delicate tightrope. And I, I actually sort of found myself, certain bits of it, I found myself thinking of, you know when we did the Michael Rosen collection mm. and there were a mm. few of those poems where we were going, this feels like an article he wrote for The Guardian, a comment piece he wrote for The Guardian, where he's just pressed, pressed return a few times yeah. and then called it a poem. Whereas this felt like a poem that was like also a a, comment, I guess it a could, statement of fact. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like mm. a manifesto, a statement of position mm. in a way that was really incredibly eloquent and really like it that could that could sound awful. That could sound like yeah. I'm saying, Oh God, because I I don't know.
0: No, no, it, it works really Rosen well. Ones.
1: Whereas this does work really well, but I would also go, Well, this is a beautifully written comment piece, you know. <laughs> you know, particularly the when he's talking about the news stuff. So he talks about the Alex Mann who was the guy that was pulled out at Glastonbury. Um, oh yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah, really interesting.
1: It's such a good poem. He does one about Alex Mann, who was the 15-year-old who was pulled out in front of the crowd at Glastonbury during a set, and basically the the artist Dave asked him to rap AJ Tracy's a piece of AJ Tracy's verse movie, because he yeah. wasn't the verse because he wasn't there, and everybody kind of went, "Us oh, is going to be bad," and he was really good, and the nation fell mm-hmm. in love with him, and it went viral, and all this sort of thing.
0: And he's treated like a kind of uh, almost like a hero or a wow, yes. what a amazing thing that this this guy was pulled out of the crowd and he rapped really well and yeah. he's white
2: and like when they ask him on live tv how he's doing he says he's quote fucking buzzing and swearing on live tv yeah. fine whereas yeah. <laughs> AJ, tracy. Yeah.
1: aj tracy who actually wrote the original verse is then kind of questioned about well don't you think this is you know influencing the youth poorly is this, this is, is the lyrics appropriate and, yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and like i said that could like this piece i actually think you could present it as a comic piece pretty well. Yeah. it's a beautifully written poem too. Do you know, like yeah. it works, and I, I think that's mm. all the way through. He's just threading between who, how he's talking to you, what register he's using, what point. But there's a point to it. But there's also really beautiful poetry and really heartbreaking yeah. moments as well.
0: There's yeah. some a lot of the poems are quite sort of prosy in the way that mm. they're presented on the page mm. not actually that one you're talking about Rebecca I think that does some really interesting stuff actually physically juxtaposing yep. the text on the page well, I think that's the um, one that's
1: got the tweets where they actually the tweets are the bits that look so kind of he, he's talking about sort of what happened and then some of the tweets he read and sort of then Stormzy afterwards was interviewed and said that Britain was mm. racist and he yeah. quotes the tweets and the tweets are laid out like poems and actually the rest of it's yeah. laid out like prose which I just thought yeah it's brilliant mm.
0: Yeah. And all those different threads you've been pulling on as well, you know, and it's not just historical, personal, political, there's even like, or artistic, or the kind of the artistic canon, like it's pulling on like biology, The the whole first part of the book It's in, oh, yeah. I think it's, is it four or five parts? It's yeah. four parts. Like the first part is called, and I'm going to probably mispronounce it, Anifia.
2: Yeah, like I, this, this is one of my absolute standouts from the book, which is that Anifia toxin is i believe it's similar to or like related to adrenaline but it's set out with these little subheadings like an academic essay or something anefia in relation to power racism and police anefia in relation to white people but the like recent oh god i'm go- i'm just going to read the whole a short yeah, yeah, passage because recent high-profile deaths in the uk and us have prompted an increased study into the hypothesis that anithia is produced in the body when black people are confronted by law enforcement and white people bearing firearms and mm. it's just it, it goes through to the oh god what's the phrase generational trauma, trauma. generational trauma but also gene expression how basically mm. like I don't think it uses the phrase gene expression but like if your parents have been raised with a lot of fear with reasons to be afraid then like your kids their kids are going to be more likely to have asthma schizophrenia like every kind of yeah. gene expression where mm-hmm. if there's difficult circumstances you're more likely to get this diffi- this difficulty and it stacks like the yeah. grandchildren of holocaust mm-hmm. survivors are more likely to have xyz gene expression mm-hmm. of stress and bad shit in the bloodstream yeah. because of environmental stuff and it, yeah. it it's and, and the point he's kind of making beautifully...
1: with Anethia is that it's this like you said it's related to adrenaline but that the build-up in the body or kind of you know what gets left over in the body can lead to problems in old age and can lead to effectively a poisoning a toxin in the, in the body in old age mm-hmm. yeah. which is more prevalent in black people than it is in white people hence this kind
0: I th- of yeah i think also that there is a obviously like a a level of what's still what's quite the right word maybe curious skepticism around that around mm. the the underneath thread in the book like yeah. you know the bit that you just read out hannah like anybody's good body is going to produce a to, produce different hormones and toxins if somebody is pointing a gun at them <laughs> the police yeah are, but if are you're a racialized minority and the, the, the UK, idea that the idea that it's gonna that happen
2: it's, a lot or a lot more often yeah
0: yeah but I don't know whether he's he's maybe making kind of humorous point about like darkly humorous point about like obviously like anybody's body is gonna like react if you're yeah. if you're threatened like is it?
1: Well, he, he um, also kind of goes and, and complicates it because he says, "Yeah, white people get it when they see a black person coming towards them," and there's a bit of a mm. snide kind of like it. it oh, you know. We're acknowledging yeah. what's going on with the biology, but also like, yeah, it's... Th- you th- think it's this is equivalent, like, oh, what Oh, so fuck? it's the same. It's, it's... Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's,
1: yeah, th- that, that vibe is going, like it's, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah and the one straight after it? that is PC Joshua Savage pulls Leon Fontana over for a routine check, which is mm. re-watching The Wire after the deaths of Mark Duggan and Michael Brown. And I think there is a a cultural reckoning happening at the moment. Culture wide, let alone if you're a racialized minority and you have a lot more lived experience of this, but of cop based TV and looking back at what was a normal plot point, normal or what was a Hmm. not not a huge plot point in TV from not that long ago and going, whoa, wait, wait a minute.
1: Yeah, because I've only seen the first two seasons of The Wire, but it's in the first season, the character that he's talking about, the police officer, effectively Hmm. blinds a black child in one eye by Mm -hmm. pistol whipping him and kind of the the black captain kind of covers it up a little bit but it's not seen Mm. as like it's not central to the plot it's kind of Mm -hmm. this is how things are and it's a bit grim and my flatmate at the time when I was watching it had seen the whole thing and she went oh yeah Mm. yeah no I love that character and I was like the guy that just blinded somebody and I think he does go on to get a redemption arc and people are really fond Mm -hmm. of that character and I'm just like I'm sorry fucking what? Mm
0: -hmm. "What?" It's interesting The Wire Mm -hmm. if you ever watch the rest of it Series four too. in particular is incredible. It's probably my favorite single series of any TV show. The, the The Wire series four is fantastic. And it's interesting going into the stuff you've just said, Rebecca, like all the characters sort of start in one place and you're like, okay, that one's, that one's a good little boy. That one's like a bit troubled. And by the end of the series, everybody switched places and everybody who you think is going to be in one position ends up in another.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel there's a whole chunk of this book we haven't talked about, which is is the the kind of the death of his great aunt from cancer, and kind of this, and the the, the also what is going on. In this book is about black masculinity, and you know, in Britain, black yeah, and family, and black immigrant family, and black immigrant masculinity in a way that is just incredibly beautifully handled and quite direct there's lots of just again there are moments where he just feels like he's talking to you know somebody might say this to you over a cup of tea in a conversation like i should have been there for you and i wasn't and that whole thread is so beautiful and doesn't sit weirdly with the the no. political stuff that's going on it's very the personal is political mm. and it just it's just there
0: and it's yeah No, that whole thread is almost like a, a play or a radio play or something mm. yeah, in like the way it's, that it's written
1: yeah that is a sequ- a narrative sequence. It's just very very beautiful. So no, I I I love this book and I think I would thoroughly recommend it.
0: Cool, Hannah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Hannah's just nodding and looking like <laughs> stunned
1: like necessary reading
2: as well as fucking good
0: yeah
1: and i think a very different style of poetry book to a lot of you know that that, that he is really playing with form in a way that's really mm. interesting and yeah that there there is definitely like a. it's one of those kind of it's also good for your writing to read this sort of stuff do you know what i mean oh yeah like, we've got sestinas,
0: yeah. we've got sonnets we've got different formal guzzle, stuff going on how do you say that guzzle, one. guzzle guzzle
1: guzzle yeah okay that is how you say and it. the, it's, it's literally
0: guzzle like <laughs> as in guzzling some food yeah
2: and that it is switching between how him and his friends talk, like, out and about in London. There's bits of, like, Yoruba. I had to look up a few, things, a few words, but it was fucking worth it. And then this, like, quite high mm. classical. Yeah, it's it, it blends everything beautifully and really, yeah, thoroughly recommend.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful book. Actually, we decided on this book before the T.S. Eliot Prize was announced. Allah. And we have a track history of picking a book that, win- that goes on to win <laughs> the T.S. Eliot Prize. Sadly, oh, it's not It's not really sadly, it's sadly for us. Time. Mannerism, as of yeah. the last few days, did not win the T.S. Eliot Prize, though it was shortlisted. It was actually won by Anthony Joseph for Sonnets for Albert, which I haven't read yet, but maybe we will do on a future episode to catch up on. Yes, indeed. So that's Mannerism. It's out now on Penguin Poetry, and it's by Yomi Shode. And we all thoroughly not only recommend it but i think we would say we probably implore you to read it it's fantastic
1: (laughs) yeah i'm not above a bit of imploring
0: (laughs) implore you (laughs) do it it's fantastic and i think there's a tour but i'm not sure but if you can manage to go and see a reading or performance from yomi definitely definitely check it out